Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And a dog is in the city of angels. That's right. Oh, You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Oh, Here, we are Here we are at Code. Here we are. Here we are at Code. I'm actually right. in a studio in West Hollywood taping oh, this because really? I just did an interview with Monica Lewinsky. Sorry, yeah. I'm late. How about um, you? It's good, except this place smells like pot. So I'm in like a hot You box. say that like it's a bad thing. I feel like I'm going to be very light for Code. Well, lunch is at noon. <laughs> lunch is at noon. Um, uh, we're going to talk about everything. We're going to chat about some of the big headlines. First up, Facebook is pulling the brakes on Instagram for kids. The head of Instagram, Adam Masseri, announced on Monday that Facebook will pause the project. In quotes, the app has been targeted toward children younger than 13. Scott, I'm just going to let you go. Well, just before we even jump into that, just being in Los Angeles, you know there's an app I mean, this is really wild. There's an app in Los Angeles that you can download and you can have yeah. drugs delivered to your house real yeah. time. Yeah. And it's not age gated. You can have drugs delivered to your house even if you're under 18. And you know what the app's called? What? Instagram. <laughs> get it? But here's the thing. No. I know it just for all, I don't know how to get young women off of Instagram and to ha not have more suicidal th thoughts, but I do know. I do know how to get young men off of Instagram. How? You porn. Oh my God. I'm just bringing worse. it today. I'm just bringing right. it. I am so No, give me a cogent answer of them doing this, pausing it. Give me a cogent answer. Well, it's just fucking ridiculous. that we, we They want, I, okay, great. And in other news, Ralph Lauren has decided to stop clubbing seals to make fur collars. I mean, big fucking deal. It's ridiculous this was even, ever even, and by the way, paused. Pause. Yeah, this isn't this isn't what should be going on. This shouldn't be. They've decided to pause disseminating something that is clearly we know that is bad for youth. The government should be doing what it has done with every other substance or material yeah. that has ended up being bad for young people. They either age gated or they regulate it. We age gate yeah. alcohol and tobacco. We put yep. NC seventeen yep. on porn, yep. but yet we've decided to celebrate. Instagram's putting a pause on Instagram kids. Well, good for fucking them. Yeah, Regulators, I get agree. off your ass. Do something. I agree completely. I mean, it's amazing. They're just, of course, they, they said they're going to consult people, right? They're not calling no, us, yeah. are they? Yeah, they're right. not going to call us. Yeah, I'm they sure should? they're going to be very they thoughtful should. about what we think. <laughs> you know what? They should have us in there to yell at them. That would be very Yeah, helpful. that's what they We need. wouldn't go, though. That's what they we need. We wouldn't go, would we? No, we wouldn't that's go. That's what we need. Anyway, um, second thing. What do you think? I don't. I mean, I think it's bullshit. They should never do it. They should drop the project. They should stop fucking with us and not do it. They they don't. They have not shown the requisite responsibility to create a safe service for adults. They shouldn't be doing it for children. Thank you. I, you know, I mean, the the entire public relations department and Nick Clegg of Facebook, they're the modern yeah. day they're the modern day Joe Camel. Ignore the cancer. It's fun. It's cute. Yeah, it's just, I just, well, no, uh, no, just stay is, the fuck away from our this children. This is tobacco. Get it. That's it. Get away from our kids. It's just, it's, get away from it our gives kids. you insight that they even contemplated this. That, okay, ins like, who, who thought, oh, yeah, that's a good idea? 
Who thought I just, that? If they were more responsible, I would be, okay, all right, I'll listen to you. But And I want you to make sure you're incredibly safe. Snapchat had said it. I'd be like, okay. But Snapchat's not saying it. The rest of them aren't saying it because they know the difficulties. Anyway, I think yeah. whatever. You don't get any claps from us, Facebook. Um, the other thing is Pfizer's CEO says we should return to normal life within a year with the help of annual COVID uh, booster shots. Others do not agree. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of approvals waiting, including for kids uh, 5 to 12, which look like they're coming right away. Um, so what do you think about this? Well, there's been certain, I've had a really nice weekend here. I love Los Angeles. I grew up here. I went to UCLA to, to, you know, go around my old stomping grounds, which is amazing. I went to, did a hike in Runyon Canyon. I just love Los Angeles. Uh But the image, the image that really struck me was, um, I'm staying in the hotel next to the hotel. We're having the conference. And I looked down and I saw this like line. I'm like, what is it? A Supreme store or something? At yeah. seven thirty in the morning, and I realized they were all in waiters' uniforms, and the there COVID. must have been an hour long wait for the entire staff at the Hilton, and they were in line. And I figured out, oh, they're in line to get tested. You know and why? I, I, Kara Swisher, go ahead. Um, and it's really funny. A kid I grew up with, this really like nice kid that I bonded with, named Brent Seals, has had a, had a total scrappy entrepreneur, has a ticket selling company. And then he pinged me this morning and said, "I'm doing the testing at Code." And I thought, God, that's a agile entrepreneur for you. You know, live events get canceled now. He's in testing anyway. Yeah. But the thing that just struck me, Kara, there's just no getting around it. This is really sad. It's sad that we're still yeah. here. None of us expected to still be here. And what you have is a nation that is blessed with an unbelievable supply chain. We are very innovative. We're producing the best vaccines in the world. And then we, we, but we have the second most vaccine hesitancy in the world just behind Russia. And I keep hearing yeah. all these people when these conservatives get, get, get COVID. I'm like, and then you see people on Twitter saying, you know, thoughts and prayers. I'm like, well, trust me on this. The prayers work much better when you're vaccinated. Yeah. And well, we're just, doing it because we're, we're testing for instant uh, infectiousness. And if you're infectious, you can't come. I mean, you know who pushed me? Mark Benioff on this issue. Well, Mark started uh, texting do- me to, yeah. I mean, he, he was yeah. very, uh, like, so I, we're doing Masking, text, testing, and uh, vaccination requirement. And I know I'm going to get more some than that. Back. If you leave the property, when you come back, you yeah. got to be tested again. I'm like, I'm yes, stuck here. indeed, I'm going to be tested. <laughs> You're stuck oh, you with me, Kara. We're together for the next we're two together. and a half days. So uh, we're going to talk about that at Code with Andy Slavitt from, yeah. the White, from who worked for the White House, who we've talked to before, and also well, Nancy Messonnier. So um, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, lastly, China uh, banned crypto. The market mm-hmm. doesn't seem to care. Uh, what do you think about this? This is really interesting, and in that it's it. Quite frankly, it's probably a proof point for the strength of cryptocurrencies, and yeah, specifically, they back. yeah. I look like every time there's been a hit to crypto, it, it looks in retrospect as if it was a buying opportunity. The interesting thing here is that it's it's uh, the beneficiaries are decentralized exta- uh, exchanges, DTX, uh, Sushi, and Uniswap, and that is yeah, uh, an exchange like. Coinbase, for example, it's centralized and it's a platform and it can be tracked. And it's those platforms in China that are being shut down. But if you have a cold storage hardware wallet and you go through um, Uniswap or a decentralized exchange, effectively you're off the grid. And those and those require smart contracts to execute the trade. So you're seeing Ethereum bounce back and you're seeing these decentralized ex- decentralized exchanges bounce, not, not only bounce back, yeah. but reach yeah. new highs. So they are. It's sort of playing into a little bit the narrative behind crypto and this, that this is the power of it. It's its decentralized nature that a government, a central bank um, can't, you know, or and unfortunately the IRS or the FBI can't track these flows. What they're trying to do, and I think uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot at play here. And that is China's crackdown is really interesting. Games, antitrust, monopoly power, uh, data, teens, tutoring, and now they're going after crypto. And I and you look at all these things and you say, it's really interesting that with the things they're going after, but they're trying Control. to also, they're also trying to play finance. They're trying to launch their own stable coin. And I think America should do that as well. I think yeah, America should that. do that as well. But what I think it's fascinating. What would you call it, the eagle coin? The eagle coin, I guess. The eagle uh-huh. coin, yeah, something, right? Yeah. So we're going to have uh, Gary, speaking of regulating cryptocurrency, we've got SEC Chair Gary Gensler at Code this week, mm-hmm. is talking to him, and mm-hmm. we will um, we'll definitely ask about this. It's a big topic, but you're right. It really, the bounce back, except in China, obviously, the crypto exchanges there are feeling hurt, um, is really interesting. 
It, it's going to be interesting. Be it's interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, I, I heard a very interesting theory or viewpoint from someone and said that America's lacks or either call it poor regulation around entrepreneurship or just terrible oversight. We've been overrun. Depends how you want to frame it. But you might see a flow of human capital or innovation capital out of China into the U.S. But a lot of people say, no, China has decided not to subvert national interest, economic interest. So I, I just think it's I think it's the biggest story that's getting the least coverage. And that is what China yep. has decided to do. You know, people would say to me, well, Scott, you complain about this shit all the time. What would you do if you had a magic wand? And quite frankly, that's what China is. China doesn't have a magic wand. It has an autocratic yep. fist. And they've just yep. said, we've done a lot of analysis this is bad for kids. This is bad for income inequality. This is bad for economic instability. And they've come in with a hammer. Social unrest. Yeah. yeah so they've got a bigger problem with that. But it, quite frankly, all of this kind of adds up to one thing, and that is crypto is bigger than China. And if China kicked crypto out- Crypto is bigger than China. Well, That's something to if say. If China kicked out Apple or China kicked out Nike, you'd see a much more severe reaction in their stock than you've seen in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And this yeah. probably plays to Ethereum because of smart contracts. I, I find the, absolutely. I find it really. Um, I find it really interesting. It's going to be. Yep. Um, anyways, I, I'm. I'm. But right now, I would say all of this kind of is a bit of a confirmation of the power of cryptocurrencies. And one thing Gensler said, he said that he compared all of these altcoins or what I've referred to as shitcoins as wildcat banking when there were too many. Uh, banks kind of starting their own currencies. And the question is, is that the right analogy or are all these coins just different stocks? And or trading cards. We decide that trading cards, baseball cards have value. And is it really fair to call them wildcat banks? So I think that uh, interview tomorrow with Gary Gensler, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, we'll ask him that. All right. So let's start with our first uh, big story. I think is our only mm -hmm. big story today. recording this on the first day of code. Let's go through the list of speakers and the things we're going to do. For those who don't know what code is, it's my conference I've had with, at first with Walt Mossberg. Now I do it by myself and I have help with people like Scott Galley and many others. Um, Thanks so, for that. Thanks for that. I could hear you say like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say it's mine with the no, dog on the phone. No, but it is. I am. It is You're right. No. You're right. I'm um, just showing but up. But the dog is going to do a lot. And by the way, the dog and I are going to have our own conference in Miami together. That's, That's our right. conference. Little sunshine, yeah. little Latin, but little let me sex tell you, feel. Hello. This is my house. So this, anyway. Uh, oh, you think? This one's mine. Like your fucking, <laughs> your fucking, every cousin in the world is here. Like every swisher no, in the world no, is here. No, this, there's only my the son The Sultan of Wokistan has arrived. <laughs> God. My mother, my son, and my brother are here. Everybody oh, else it. stayed at home of my giant clan. Dr. Yes. Swish, Bane, and Lucky. Lucky's looking he good. He is here. I'm interested uh, to see Lucky's fashion. Okay, good. I'm so glad. But let's not talk about my mother. Let's okay. talk about the speakers. So first of all, you're talking to Sam Harris and Sam you're also Harris, giving yeah. a presentation. Why don't we talk about what you're doing first? First off, the thing I was just saying to the team, I'm intimidated. I used to punch these decks out like there was no one's business. And this is yep. the first live presentation I think I've done in 18 months and I don't want to disappoint you. Yeah. So I've been spending a lot of time on it. And I'm I, I think we have trouble processing everything that's happening. And I love Daniel Kahneman's theories around slow and fast thinking. And when you're overwhelmed yeah. with information and you have to process it really fast, i.e. a crisis, you know, you go fight or flight, a friend or enemy. And I think we've taken a lot of concepts, whether it's crypto, um, whether it's online trading, you know, whatever it might be. And I think we have a tendency to go very binary and say, this is overhyped or underhyped. So my presentation is what things are underhyped and what things are overhyped. And um, I'm trying to figure, I'm going through everything from healthcare to crypto to different different um, unicorns and trying to say, is this you know space travel? Is this underhyped or overhyped? So anyways, title of my presentation is underhyped, overhyped, question Good. mark. Good, okay. And Sam Harris, what are you gonna see? Neuroscientist, very interested in psychedelics, correct? Yeah, I, I'm a, just an enormous fan of Sam. I think he's, I think he's a, like courageous and a very interesting thinker. and. Um, we're going to talk a little bit, you know, he's really into this notion of flow and microdosing and he's, you know, he's cataloged pretty meticulously his own experience with cyclosobin. Is that what they call it? Cyclosobin. I don't know. Mushrooms. Good time. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, so we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, so anyway, I'm a, I'm a, he lives here, so it'll be nice to speak to him and explore that stuff. I'm fascinated by that stuff. Have you ever thought about doing one of these? 
supervise a lot of all my not all my friends most of my friends have done some of these supervised um trips where they have get like a massive dose of i don't know if it's ketamine or mdma and then somebody asks them questions and they kind of unlock all the things in your life and you address oh. you kind of address address things that you haven't addressed and yeah i'm not exaggerating i think the majority of the people I've talked to have done it have described it literally as a life-changing experience. Yeah, it's a very, that's why we have a whole day of it at Code, just so people know we have a mind and body thing. And one of the panels is all on psychedelics. We're very interested uh, in that as a business and as, as a sort of uh, replacing problems with opiates and things like that. PTSD so it's a big area. and severe depression. Yeah. And yeah, I'm 100%. a big believer in, in suppressing things. Like I know I got some shit to deal with, but I'd rather just keep really? it suppressed. I think that's a, one of my core competences is I just keep no, that we're gonna, shit buried. We're gonna, no, don't. Don't do that. Mm, keep it I'm buried. very self-actualized. I don't need to deal with it. I don't bury anything. Are you? No, I don't mm, bury. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. No. Okay. Although one time Well, I'd suggest you asked, bury a little bit more. I suggest- No, I'm not burying anything. You pour a little bit right, more dirt on through. some of that stuff. <laughs> Anyway. Let's go through some of the speakers. Um, I'm resting my voice. So I want your comments. This really what is questions. a fucking ad for code. Am I getting paid for this? I know. Jesus no, you God. are. This Let's, is a fucking I infomercial. I want to know what talk about. Stop okay. it. We're gonna, okay. I want questions. I want questions. questions Mark Benioff. Who? Mark Benioff. <sighs> well, I, I'm really interested. So I think the thing I find fascinating about Mark, I mean, every, okay, Mark is one of the wealthiest men in America and has kind of redefined yeah. CRM and SaaS. He is the king of SaaS. And so there's a lot of interesting questions around him going up against Microsoft and productivity. But I find yeah. the more interesting thing is, is that Mark Benioff, I don't think he'll be remembered for CRM or Salesforce. I think he'll be remembered for what I'll call breaking the code of the white guy. And that yeah. is these tech CEOs generally have a code That's where a they don't question. go after each other. And he was the first one to say, you know what, Jack Dorsey, you should pay your taxes in San Francisco and stop hiring lobbyists to not pay our fair share. And he's come out and said that, yeah. that Facebook are cigarettes. And he said it before it he was He said cool. that to me, to Kara Swisher. Yep. And I would, I, would, I would put a wrinkle in that. I think there's actually some very positive, when, when regulated, I think social media uh, is and can be uh, positive, but they spend all of their time in innovation covering up the negatives. I think it's not actually tobacco. I think it's really more opioids than it is tobacco. Yeah. There's some yeah. effective uses Gambling. for it. There's some effective uses for it. Opioids can be very helpful in certain supervised applications. But anyway, back to Mark. I think Mark will go down as someone who, you know, you need in every to real to make real change, a key component, a key actor in real change is what I call class traders. And that's people, oh, Teddy Roosevelt, yes. Teddy Roosevelt turned on the people who elected him. He was elected by the big railroad companies and their money. And then he turned around and said, you're bad for America, I'm breaking your ass up. Thanks for putting me in the White House. And yeah. now I'm breaking yep. you up. And Mark Benioff- an excellent question. Mark All Benioff right. is a class trader. He's broken the code of the white guy. And I think that's what he's going to be remembered for. And I think it's, he'll he'll be remembered as a positive force in history around this shit. I like this question. All right, next one. Marguerite Vestager, speaking of regulating these people, she's come all the way from Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, she is, uh, I'm, I'm trying to pronounce her name correctly. I just didn't. Marguerite uh, uh, Vestier. Marguerite Vestier. Vestier. Anyway, yeah. what should I ask her? Well, I, I, I'm excited. I, I, don't, I think I told you once, I spotted her on an Amtrak train knitting. And yeah. I was staring She's at her. She's a knitter, so, I told you that. Yeah. I was staring at her so much. I'm like, this woman's probably going to think I'm stalking her. So I went over and introduced myself and I took a picture with her and she couldn't have been more gracious. I just find her incredibly uh, impressive. The, the question you need to ask her, though, is quite frankly, has GDPR, have the things they've done um, in Europe, have they worked? Because a lot of people would argue all they've done is cemented and actually played to big tech's favor, yeah. that it's the small yeah. and medium-sized media companies that have had to incur all the costs and the bigger companies have actually extended their lead. So, you know, what what has, has what Europe done, what they've done in terms of regulation, has it worked or has there an element of it backfired? And then the next thing I would ask is, if America doesn't regulate these companies, what does she think yeah. they can do in Europe? What will happen? Does she ever see a, a European nation kicking one of these companies out? Because or, I would argue- Or arresting, arresting. 
Well, my understanding is that that there's certain executives at Facebook that are that are reticent to fly over UK airspace yeah. for fear yeah. their plane will be commandeered down and they'll be arrested. But for refusing, you know, to testify or or, or anyways. But I, I would, uh, I, you know, has what she, I like her, but has what she and Europe done? Has it worked? I'm not sure it's worked, Kara. I'm not sure yeah, it hasn't made that's things That's a good worse. question. I'm totally using you as a, you know, like cramming for the exam, essentially. There you just go. Just so you know. The area manual. You're Paula Gabriel. I used to look at her test when I was in eighth grade. I used to look over <laughs> and like say, wait, what is I'm that? I'm just going to ask Paula? a few more. Aria Manual. Oh, gosh. Their company makes no sense as a public company. Um, their stock's off and it should be. It, it, like, how is there any synergy there between, you know, professional bull riding and managing Brad Pitt? I just don't. I don't understand WME as a public company. What What is the story there? And what are they going to use the proceeds for? Do they think they're going to roll up? I mean, it just there's there's certain endemic or things about the company itself. And then I would, you know, what is the changing role of talent management in in streaming? I'd just be very curious. To, he He's got, he's at the helm of the bobsled in terms of the changes here. And he sees the capital flows. I would want to understand from him. I'm like, okay, winners and losers. What do you think happens to the cable bundle? Is it is the decline yeah. been overestimated? What do you think happens to live sports and live events? I mean, he really does see kind of the flows of what people are spending money on and where the talent is going. Uh, so I would go down two tracks. One, WME as a public company makes no sense to me. Tell me why it does. Yeah. And then two, and then two. Give us your winners and losers in the world of yep, content yep. and talent, because he really is at the forefront. Um, and also, I would just be, I mean, if you have enough time, he's kind of famous for a management style that is very, yep. uh, what I'll call nine. And, and quite frankly, I, I think that management style is underrated. I think being honest and I don't call it terse, but I don't think that I, I think there's a hallmark channel version of business. And then there's what business is. And I'd be curious if and how his management style has changed over the last yeah. decade. I think he's going to say something bad on stage. I think he can't help himself. We'll see. Or good. Um, Isn't that what we good. want? Good. Yeah. Oh, no, it's good. I always enjoy talking to him. A couple more. Ted Sarandos. He's the, he's the co-CEO and chief content officer of Netflix. This is going to be a good one. Well, Netflix has stalled a bit. Its stock has lost its trajectory. I mean, it's still an amazing performer over the last five or 10 years, but I don't, you know, it's kind of, Disney Plus has come in. There's a massive capital coming into the place. Apple TV, I'd be curious. I mean, the problem, I'd say, who are your, who does he see as competitors, but he'll lie and say, oh, our competitors are everything and everyone. Yeah, time. I, I would want to know, I don't, th I think it's going to be difficult for them to extend, do they believe it'll be difficult for them to continue to maintain their momentum without going vertical? Every company that's gone over a trillion dollars, which is what Netflix needs to do to attract investment capital, has one thing in common. They've gone vertical, whether it's Amazon going into fulfillment, whether it's Apple going into their own microchips and their own retail. Netflix, in my view, needs to go into the device business. And because at 17 billion in content, I mean, I guess it could go to 20 or 30 billion, but it strikes me that they need, you know, do, are they, do they have like any what? plans? What vertical? Well, a, a device. It strikes me that the, one device. of these players, I mean, Apple, Apple is already starting to sweep the Emmys. And I think a lot of it, I, I'll be honest, like Ted Lasso, I think Ted Lasso is a cute show. If it wasn't owned yeah. by a monopoly that stuck it in front of my face because of unnatural yeah. monopoly power, I think it could have easily been forgotten. I think it could have yeah. easily gone absolutely nowhere. The Queen's right. Gambit could have been screened on Mars and we would have found it. That shit was genius. Ted Lasso is yeah. cute. And yeah. he's now competing against a company oh. that can put content in front of a billion people and get yep. decent, cute content at the Emmys. And I mean, he's now competing with folks that are vertical. I don't, I, I wonder if and how they plan to go vertical. He's not going to, but the problem is he's not going to say anything because he he's a public might. company. Well, I hope so. We'll, we'll see. see. All right. I have three more quick. Okay. Lisa Su, head of AMD. Obviously they did that deal with China many years ago and some other things about making things. And now the company's roaring. At the same time, we have a chip problem uh, across the world. Uh, obviously I have to talk to her about China. Anything else? 
Well, the fastest means to grow your economy is through intellectual property theft. And the intellectual property theft of the next decade that could have a huge impact on the U.S. and probably more of a strategic impact on Taiwan is China's in the midst of incredible IP theft around, what is it, DRAM or DRAM? Um, I think it's a real threat to our national security and probably to their company is that um, my, my feeling is basically China is in the midst of, of building up their own uh, chip, chip and microprocessor yep. industry. And like, what can be, does she see it as a threat and what can be done about it? I think this is really serious um, that, that if China does what they did to apparel or to Siemens or to cell towers or to, you know, they basically just through what people don't realize is they think that our covert um, espionage efforts are about spies killing each other and stealing nuclear codes. No, they're not. It's much more boring. It's about stealing trade secrets from companies. Right, right. That's where the majority of the espionage takes place. And China yep. is better at it and more brazen. And I think it's a real problem when they start becoming, when they basically take tens or hundreds of billions of dollars in research and just steal it from the US and China and start producing their own microprocessors. I think it's yep. a real threat to her firm. Anyways, curious yeah, what okay. you would say. And she's uh, not saying two anything. More? She's probably worried about being disappeared. <laughs> Thanks for my for the for belief in my ability to elicit. No, I, I believe I believe you can ask great questions. I just think anyway. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right, Satya Nadella, head of Microsoft. Speaking of cybersecurity, how the fuck have they escaped any big tech scrutiny? They were the bad guy. They've gone from Darth Vader to like Luke Skywalker. Like, how have they pulled off the ultimate acrobatic move and become the bad guys to the good guys? Like, what is it about his yeah. leadership style and what they've done that's gone, that's given, they, yeah, no that's, company, no company in history has done a better job of starching their hat white. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Microsoft, most valuable company in the world for a while, now second most valuable, and nobody ever talks about them as a monopoly. Nobody ever talks about their externalities. Uh, they've done an amazing job at that. And I, I would ask them, it's arguably, everybody talks about IBM's renaissance, Apple's renaissance. Microsoft's renaissance, I mean, it's just, it, there's just no getting around it. It's just, I mean, they never went, they never did poorly, but for 10 years, the stock went flat. And then it's been an unbelievable performer. I would love to know what are the two or three things. I mean, despite missing social, despite missing search, despite missing mobile, they continue yeah. to just uh, perform. And I would love to just know, I would, uh, he's got, it's going to be tough for him to be very honest about his own company, but I'd have to kind of love to ask the same question in the same vein as Ari Emanuel. I would love to know. I think Sachin Adela is a very deep, smart, practical thinker. I'd love to yeah. know, Sacha, what technologies are overhyped and underhyped in your view? And like, is it voice? Is it AI? Is it driverless technology? Like, what is underhyped and overhyped in your view? I'd love to get oh, his, his, his take yeah. on stuff. Good ones. All right, last one. By the way, Scott and I, I are didn't know do you were going to do this. This is I'm doing this literally. I know this that's is what all I want. I need help. I need help. Oh my so, God. Um, we, by the way, Scott and I are going to do a mind and body panel um, with all kinds mm. of psychedelics and body mm. people. That's going to be fun on the third day. But last but not least, I did not know that. Musk. Quite frankly, I did not know that. But anyways, oh. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking Just forward show to show up. It. I'll that means it. your co-host canceled, and they've said, "Okay, bring in Scott." Whatever. No, you were always the co-host. Uh, yeah. Last but not least, you keep asking me this. and going. Should Stephanie Rule do this instead of you? No. Should no. Stephanie Rule do this instead no. of you? Other no. than talent and being much hotter than me, she has nothing on me. She has nothing. All right. There's plenty of other speakers like Jason Kylar, Chris Krebs, all kinds of people coming. Casey Means. We've got Nancy Messonnier. We've got all kinds of people coming. But last mm -hmm. but not least, mm -hmm. Elon Musk. Elon. Hey, law. Yeah. I mean, I would ask him a lot. One, cryptocurrency is so is so powerful and it, you know, it plays such a huge role. And he plays such an outsized role now. He's moving, he's moving markets. Does he feel any additional responsibility to maybe have more impulse yeah. control around tweeting things when he can take markets up or down? Or does he just like, oh, well, that's just who I am and that's just part of it? He said two or three years ago that there'd be a million autonomous Teslas on the road within 12 months, I haven't seen one, is driver, you know, I would ask some hard questions and then, but also I would also give him some softballs. Like what, what I forget what it was called, Discovery 4, he totally like, 
I mean, he just showed up with a fucking elephant gun of space tourism, sending people around the earth three times versus this ridiculous, like, yep. send people up to the height of where a citation yeah. 10. And then what Virgin and Amazon did was literally they brought a squirt gun to a gunfight and he is killing yep. it around. I think SpaceX is just performing like crazy. And the other thing, and I this is part of my presentation, you know what I think is really underhyped? You know what changes what? the world? It's not going to Mars, which isn't space exploration, it's space execution. You know how he's going to change the world? Is with the boring company. And that is, yeah. there are, the richest people in the world who've had the most impact have done one thing. They've all built time machines. Amazon Prime is a time machine. Netflix is a time machine. If your kids only watch Netflix, they save 11 days a year in commercials. Healthcare is going to build a time machine and give a woman who's managing her child's diabetes eight of the 12 weeks back a year that she spends managing that kid's diabetes. If we can create... From a ten minute, from a, a eighty minute commute to a ten minute commute, the most crowded corridors in the world, he's going to give thousands of years back to humans. And not only that, yeah. if you start transporting, yeah. what we've learned through COVID is the future is not about us getting around the world faster; it's about bringing the world to us faster. And if you build these tunnels, I think the really exciting thing about them is through, and it's boring, but the boring shit is what moves shareholder value. It's moving goods through so you can get your your stuff in 10 minutes yep. instead of 48 Agreed. hours. I, I love when people make I think fun the boring of him. Company, the boring company is hugely underrated. I'd like to know more about it and what his All vision right. is okay. for it. This was, this was good. This is excellent. Right. I like right. this. We should do this our own conference. Question. Oh, we are. Yeah, we are. Except we it's are. in Miami. If you Seems think so I'm fun and out of control here, oh my gosh, wait till we get to South Beach. We see oh a little no. salsa dog. We see a little El Perro. That's oh right. No. That's oh dear. right. That's All right. right. A lot of sunblock. Scott, let's go on a quick a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to a friend of Pivot, continuing this ad, Jim Bankoff of Vox Media. Who's Jim Bankoff? Who's Jim Bankoff? I don't know. We oh, wait, he's our boss. He's Whatever. our boss. We don't care. Yeah. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, let's bring in our friend of Pivot, Jim Bankov. 
Jim is the CEO and co-founder of Vox Media, and that makes him our boss, kinda. He joins us today to discuss the state of the industry as we head into code. Jim, welcome. Welcome. It's so good to be here. So good to be here. My first time on Stay Tuned with Preet, and I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> little, little CEO humor. I mean, Preet? Preet You mean the guy? You bring in Preet, you do a full spread in the Wall Street Journal, you bring in the dog, and like, I didn't meet you for a year. You like threw your number seven person at me to go have coffee. I'm not better, though. I'm not better. Hey, when I, I noticed that when you brought that awesome Prof G podcast yeah. over the Vox Media yeah. Yeah. podcast network, all of a sudden Anderson That's Cooper right. shows up. Oh. Was that happening before? Oh. Was that happening That's before, we're Big very Dog? Close. We're very close. So, but, <laughs> all right, let's get to some well, stuff. No, this, this is a legitimate question. So I would say the analogy here is you're Phil Jackson and Karis Michael Jordan, and I'm Scottie Pippen. Aren't we really your boss? Your turn. You know what? Absolutely. I am here to serve. 100%. And, and in all Scottie seriousness. And who's Michael Jordan? Well, I mean, Kara's Michael Jordan and you're Scotty Pippen. Clearly. And your name Clearly. is Scott, so that's appropriate. But in all there seriousness, I am honored to be on the Pivot Podcast. You guys are, I am I am uh, not only, um, you know, involved as a colleague, but I love the show. So let's go. Let's do it. Okay, enough of, enough of that all right, shit. Wait. All right, my real question ask, here. Okay. All right. Ask. So you're, we've been using this term, helm of the bobsled. So ad-supported media, and Vox still is technically ad-supported media, or a lot of it is, and that is we got New York Magazine, we got podcasts, which seem to be one of the few ad-supported mediums that is actually growing. What is your observation around advertising? What, what mediums, I mean, is there, is this, is there really a future in ad-supported media, even even if it's digital, even if it's podcasts? Like, what are you seeing out there? What are the trends? So, absolutely, there's a future in ad-supported media. I'll, I'll start off by saying the best media businesses are multi-revenue stream, and Vox Media is multi-revenue stream. But since your question was about advertising, I won't talk to you about the subscription stuff that we do and the licensing mm -hmm. stuff that we do. Um, but we want an overview, yeah. Jim. You need an overview of yeah, the whole well, market. Yeah, well, as it relates to advertising, the advertising market is growing and digital is continuing to take share from the billions and billions that still haven't migrated from broadcast and cable and even print and other forms. And so it's digital is a growing pie. Uh, I think the the issue is that if you are subscale, it's harder to do it well. Uh, if you can't make the invest, and that's for a few reasons, advertisers don't want to spread their money across a lot of smaller sites. It's in smaller properties. It's a, it's a pain for them. But also if you're subscale, you can't afford to invest in quality, whether that's quality ad products or quality measurements or whatever. So our strategy has been to carve out a big segment where we think we can win, which is IP or intellectual property driven creatively driven, high quality advertising. And, and we've mm -hmm. grown big because of that. And I think, you know, other people have other strategies, but it's working for us. We've seen great growth. Um, the, the pandemic year for everyone was flat to down, but we've roared back. And, you know, the other thing about advertising, quite honestly, is it's a cyclical. And, you know, as the market has gotten better, uh, you know, through as the economy has gotten better, more generally advertising has rebounded. And we're certainly seeing that. All right, so you're not down on it. It's not for everyone, but I'm not down on it for sure. But is this all headed to kind of a, it just logically you think, well, this is headed towards a Netflix model. Do you see in one year, three years or never, that Pivot will be behind a wall or that all of the Vox podcasts will be behind a wall and we'll be charging five bucks a month because those revenues are valued at a multiple of revenues versus the business we're in, which is valued at a multiple of EBITDA. Will that happen? Will it take longer than we think? It just seems if you look at, you know, scripted content and video, that's where it's headed. Why has that not happened with audio and podcasts yet? I think that, as again, the, the best businesses have dual revenue streams or maybe even, mm -hmm. you know, more than that. Um, if you look at, you know, we're three of us remember the good old days of cable and Liberty mm -hmm. Media and John Malone and all that stuff, you know, subs subscription fees and advertising fees together. And that's where mm -hmm. I think it's going. And that's where I think podcasting is going too. So, um, you know, and, and I think it's an opportunity for the talent, you guys, for creators to benefit from both of those revenue streams. And, you know, what we're focused on is creating a quote unquote platform where we could help creators by giving them promotion, monetization, infrastructure, all the things you need to be successful, 
Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be a great business. We're obviously like really long on podcasting. We have the Vox Media Podcast Network and we're going to keep doing it. All right, but he didn't answer his question. Is it moving really? over to subscription? Not it. There will be more yeah. subscription, but it's not going to, it's not going to like pivot entirely to subscription. It, it will be, there will be advertising and subscription. And, and by the way, I take issue with the premise that logically everything is moving to a Netflix model. Like ad supported mm-hmm. podcasting is growing. It's profitable. It is, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's a big long tail. And if you're not, you know, if you're not one of the, the more successful ones, like any other, industry, it kind of consolidates around the top, but, but it works, you know, it works for creators, it works for businesses. So, so no, I don't think it's inevitably going to a Netflix model. I do think it's going to a dual revenue stream model. And we're excited to be part of that. I joked around about, I joked around about like, stay tuned with Preet to start off, but you know, Preet has uh, upwards of Cafe Media, which is, you know, the company that we acquired um, that is mm-hmm. led by Preet. They have um, tens of thousands of paying subscribers in addition to a big flagship model uh, podcast that that is ad supported. He has so tens of thousands both. paid paid subscribers. Tens of, tens of thousands paid subscribers. And, but, but, uh, but pause there. What's the difference in content and podcasts that warns people or or catalyzes people to pull out their credit card versus endure an ad from Athletic Greens or ZipRecruiter? More focused, more niche. Um, you know, I think yeah. even Netflix has you know, Netflix has its share of blockbusters, but Netflix, I think, is particularly strong because it has, uh, you know, it, it appeals to hundreds or if not thousands of different particular interests. And what, and what, what you, you can do the same thing in podcasts. I think the large, broader ones are going to be ad supported. And then the more micro targeted ones lend themselves to subscription. And have a fan That's base. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And have more of a fan. One of the things that I think a lot of people are thinking about is, the impact of the pandemic on your business. Um, I'd love to sort of, you know, running a business, obviously there's the remote work part, the creation part, but in general, what is it, what has been the impact and how do you feel now, even though we're not quite out of it? We had to do a lot of stuff at code around COVID, obviously. We canceled last year. That's one part of your business. You have remote issues. Talk a little bit about managing in a pandemic. Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up, Karen. It's, um, you know, we're, we're definitely, you know, it, it rages on and Delta variant and we are taking it incredibly seriously here at Code. We're taking it incredibly seriously, uh, at Vox Media in terms of office. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of decisions to be made. And I guess to, you know, uh, aside from things that people have already talked about, like, you know, making sure that everyone is safe is, is paramount. And we take, you know, that, we're, we're focused primarily on that. But the interesting thing is different people in our employee base, and we now employ, I don't know, about 1300 plus full-time people. People hmm. have different needs. People have different opinions on things. And we are working hard to listen, um, but also make some decisions so that we can move forward. You know, they, they expect us to lead. Um, and we're trying really hard to gather as much information so that we can do that. So, you know, for us, that means we're, we're in a, in a position where we can provide our employees with flexibility at this stage. Do you think uh, everyone has to do that? Is that, is that what every employer is um, going to have to do? I, I think, you know, information economy employers where, um, where it's not literally essential to always have in-person collaboration are probably going to have to lighten up around coming and forcing people to come to the office. You know, I, I recognize there's value in that. And I, you know, I've heard a lot of the discussions on pivot and elsewhere about, and I agree that there is value in that, particularly for, um, creativity, for innovation, you know, getting human connectivity in person is important. Having said that, that's not every day. Um, and that's not every person, you know, it doesn't have to be a one size fits all model. And I think, what we're going to have to work our way through collectively is understanding, you know, a a finer cut at this. It's not as simple as everyone's back in the office because I say so, but it's not as, um, it's also not as easy as do whatever you want. You know, I think we're going to have to, you know, figure out the in-betweens there and different companies have different needs and, uh, IT is going to help us get through this. Um, but, 
but you know, it's, it's gonna vary from company to company and employee base to employee base and individual to individual. So you both develop organically and acquire podcasts. And there are, I think something like now 1.2 million podcasts. And I would venture that a thousand generously, it's probably a hundred of those or 0.01% are self-sustaining economically. If you really did the hard economics on them, what is there an algorithm or what are the, what's the criteria filter that you look at and say, we need three or three or four of these boxes to be checked for what will ultimately be a successful podcast. What makes a successful podcast when you look at something? You know, you're right. It's a hits driven business. It's not dissimilar from so many other creative endeavors for better or worse. If you look at the top songs on Spotify, or if you look at yeah. uh, the top yeah, shows on Netflix, yeah. you know, it, it's definitely that kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's answer your question though. It's, I, it's a hard thing to answer bec because, um, if, if we had that specific formula, we would be, you know, everyone would you be do doing it. it. Yeah. We'd be doing it all day long. So like other creative endeavors, uh, there has to be spark, but generally speaking, uh, it's around relevance. It's around rapport. Um, there are different types of podcasts that your audience and you know, their interview shows or talk shows that are scripted. So, you know, the format is, um, less important. It's more about like the relevance and, you know, and it's been said before, it's such an intimate medium. The other thing mm -hmm. about it is that, um, it, it, you know, podcasting, unlike say a website or even a, a TV show requires an investment of time. And so mm -hmm. it's harder for new podcasts to break in is one thing I've found. Like it, it, you know, we find our favorites. I have my favorites like, like pivot, but, um, we don't, you know, they, they take an investment. And even if I go from one X to 1.5 X, it's still going to take me, you know, half an hour to, to listen to a podcast. Yeah. And there are only so many you can fit in. And so I think, you know, the good ones have to keep innovating and staying good. And then the, the new ones, I think it's going to be an increasingly higher bar to break in and, and grow an audience. Uh, one more question. So you manage, you said 1300 people and we have a really young, what I call information age workforce. W when you observe people, um, are there certain characteristics that you observe and you think that person is going to do really well? Like what advice can you give to young people in terms of the things, the qualities, the competences they should double down on? Because you yeah. think that's what is kind of the elements that seem to succeed in a company like ours. Great, great question. You know, the workforce has changed so much since I entered it. I, you know, I, I, and in a lot of positive ways, you know, I, I had to endure unpaid internships that, that allowed, you know, a lot of people of privilege to excel when, you know, and things right. like that. So the workplace is changing in a positive way. I, I tell people sometimes if, if a friend asks for a internship for their child, I, I tell them like, I, about the hardest way for your child to get an internship is going through me because like, you know, we, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to, we're yeah. going to go through a rigorous process to get people in the door. But, um, so I think things have improved a lot. Um, but to answer your question about what it takes to be successful, that probably hasn't changed a lot. And, and what I like to tell people is think like your boss thinks and, and what problems are they trying to solve? Uh, and what, you know, I'm the CEO of this company. Like, let's think about the problems that I have to solve. And mm -hmm. in addition to Kara being Swisher? very good at the, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. In addition yeah. to, in a, <laughs> I don't think like I don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Think about anybody. No, in, sorry, in, in, in addition to like being as masterful as possible at the thing that you were hired to do, whether it's mm -hmm. be a producer for a podcast or be a copy editor or be a salesperson or an IT professional, whatever it is, you have to master that. But then also think about the bigger problems that are trying to be solved and, and, and collaborate the, you know, to get there. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice way of saying, how do you deal with all the millennials, which is Scott's persistent <laughs> question usually. So the last uh, question I have, uh, cause we got to get going. Cause I got to get ready. I got to get my hair did for Me code too. to make you Me some too. dough. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. I'm yeah, so excited for code. Then. There, I said it. <laughs> All right. Okay, there. Okay, SPAC. I, we would like some money. So you've seen media companies attempt to go public via SPAC with mixed success. What is your next move, Jim? Jim, Jim I just want to say this is really important because 
like uh, P- Professor G is sort of interesting, but if I get tens of millions from the SPAC, I'm fucking fascinating. Make me fascinating, <laughs> Jim Bankoff. How do we get there? If, if we get there, can I come on the boat? Hundred, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yes, already has a boat. Um, a boat. That's anyway. not true. I don't have a boat. I got seasick. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go All ahead. right, whatever. Yeah. So, I, once we've worked really hard at Vox Media to put ourselves in a position where we can determine our own fate. I think there have been a lot of companies that have, as there always have been, that have resorted to different kinds of financing to kind of get while the getting is good. And some, and sometimes yeah. that, and you could say the same thing about SPACs that you could say about an overheated venture market or anything else mm-hmm. like, um, but we're going to do what creates and realizes the, the most value and the most potential to grow the kind of company that we want to grow. Of course, we're going to treat our shareholders well, but we're going to treat our other stakeholders, employees, advertisers, partners, et cetera, well in that process. And we're going to use financing as a means to do that. And so if the SPAC market is the right way to do that, we'll look at the SPAC market right now. You no. should be a public market CEO because you just you just <laughs> said know. nothing. You just absolutely <laughs> said, said nothing. nothing. I was right, just so thinking that. Questions. Here, here, on, here, I'll, give uh, you, no. I'll give you some more tea on this. I think there are a lot of, com- okay. I think there are a lot of companies right. that are using SPACs because they have to, um, because they, they have to do an acquisition <laughs> or because they have to like get out yeah. somehow. Yeah. Like no, we're not, no. we're are not one of those companies. Like the bloom so, is off the SPAC rows. And, and, um, and so like, you know, do we, do we find value in, in the right kind of liquidity? Yes. Do we find value in the right kind of uh, currency so that we can continue to pursue more and more ambitious acquisitions in addition to the organic growth? Yes. Like we will be doing those things. And, you know, if, if, an IP, a standard IPO gets us there, great. If a SPAC gets us there, great. If some other form of financing gets us there, great. Um, but we're not in a position, you know, we're a profitable company. Like we don't, we don't have to we'll, like, we'll, we'll speak on that. Speak on that. So we'll be, we'll be opportunistic in terms of capital, uh, year on year revenue growth, 2020, 2021. We're not How disclosing we that we're a private company, but up into the right. And, you know, uh, okay. uh, meaning, like, meaning, okay, hold meaning, on. 20%, 40%, me- meaningfully up. Meaningfully, and we're profitable. EBITDA margins, yeah. good, good, same, better, worse, but Consi- same, better than media companies. Um, they're they're strong and they're growing. Um, and they, you know, they're mm-hmm. and they um they're growing while we are still importantly investing in our business. You know, investing in our people. Um, and investing in the technology that that enables us to be more efficient. Where so, does most of our growth come from? Organic or acquisitions? Uh, most of our growth comes from organic, but you know, we, organic. we, what, when we, when we look to do acquisitions, we look to, um, not only acquire new properties, but also new capabilities that will, you know, help mm-hmm. us, he- help us grow. And, you know, we, our big, our biggest one to date was New York media. That was a home run, mm-hmm. New York mag, vulture, uh, intelligencer, mm-hmm. strategist, et cetera. Like, you know, it's just a home run in terms of, more weight in the advertising market, but also mm-hmm. a new subscription revenue stream with New York Mag Digital, um, an e-commerce powerhouse with the strategist. So we're going to continue to look for opportunities that not only grow us in both. So but in grow other us words, in we we got to get going because I All really right. do have to get to the stage. Um, I got to get so to you're the buying stage. We'll smell <laughs> you. Shut up. Elon is right. waiting for me. <laughs> All right, you two oh, are going to you two are going to kill it. I can't <laughs> Listen, wait. To be there. Listen, you need to make a prediction. It can't be mm-hmm. code will be great. All right. Well, an obvious one is an obvious will. one is consolidation is going to accelerate. We're hmm. going to be an acquirer. We're not the only ones. So look for hmm. um, look for that to happen. I'd say another thing though, and this will go contrary to Scott's uh, Netflix is inevitable thing is um, mm-hmm. I think the rise of advertising supported VOD, AVOD as it's called, you know, right, hmm. right now wow. um, YouTube kind of dominates that market, but YouTube is yeah. not a substitute for say ca- linear cable. American households are not going to be able to buy five different subscription things, you know, uh, and they're going so to like? turn to like, services like Roku, like Pluto, yeah. um, Amazon, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, nice. and I think that's going to be a viable market. I think you'll, you know, so American you think the health... Peacock strategy with the like the paid options makes sense? Well, you know, I think uh, Peacock could be one, you know, Roku mm-hmm. could be one there. You know, it's, we're going to see how it how it shakes out. But, uh, you know, the 
ad supported you know it's a big country and not you know as i yeah. said before not everyone has the income to buy uh yeah to to kind of rebundle things on their own so yeah all right all right perfect all right this is great your hair is on point i think he's one of the more handsome media executives oh thank you for saying that scott yeah he thank is you. the handsome and, um, executive and you know what the thing is jim is? my only doubt that you're going to get us to the promised land is you're just too fucking nice you know, you fuck, fuck off yeah. and have a there great, you go. you're learning. Right. Let's <laughs> you're end learning. on that. Let's end on that. All right. Thank Maybe you. I Jim. will get rich. All right. One more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Support for this podcast comes from constant contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, wins and fails. Scott, I'm just going to have you do them because my voice needs to rest in. Um, so I, d- I don't want to pollute my win with a fail. My win is Angela Merkel uh, stepping down after 16 years. I think that, unfortunately, uh, I hope she doesn't mark the end. I hope she just marks the pause and what is an unhealthy – well, I think there's been an unhealthy trans- transition in our leaders from character to charisma where we've gone after sort of these charismatic, loud – you know, in a digital world of Twitter, it's more about how loud and persistent you are versus the veracity or the character of your comments. And I think Angela right. Merkel reeks of character. And if you look at yep. if you look at Germany through the last 16 years, I mean, America has been a bit of a shit show. Asia has been an emergent China. If Europe had been an aggressive shit show with Nash, I mean, there are components of Europe that have been a problem, but the engine of Europe, we talk about the United Kingdom because inherently we just want white people who, to talk about white people who speak English is, is, is thinking they'd set the tone. Germany is the engine of Europe and it's been a stable, remarkable, you know, it's been a remarkably consistent grower of its middle class. It's been a liberal society that's managed to grow its economy. Uh, I love the fact that she is not an ideologue, that she has, yeah. she herself is quite conservative, but she didn't get in the way of gay marriage. She was, she understood that she wanted to go where Germany wanted to go. The, the majority of people who are not, uh, who have immigrant parents has exploded there, which I think is a good yeah. thing. I think she represents uh, a real steady hand, a real ballast for Europe over the last 16 years. I think she's, and not only that, she started. She started, I like the fact, you know what she did? She got a PhD in quantum chemistry. 
Uh, yep. and, uh, and she's she represents uh, the, this terrible word that I don't think is terrible. She represents intellectualism. She represents being All right. smart. Okay, but just, I mean, I think she definitely led, as someone said on Twitter, yep. the 16-year tenure was an example of steel with grace. I would agree. Yep. That said, her the center-left Social Democrats won the biggest share, and her outgoing uh, center-right union bloc uh, was very close, but Social Democrats are now in charge, and a seat held by Merkel since 1990 was run by a candidate in the other party. She was born in 1993, so I think it's very healthy. But uh, but change is afoot in Germany for sure. Yeah, but what I would I would just my win. A quantum chemist has been the most stable hand of 16 years in the last century, and I think she's led a remarkably honorable life. She could have left after eight years and gone on boards or gone to work for a private equity firm. Agreed. But her heart is with Germany. Let's give it up for Angela Merkel. Chancellor Angela, Merkel. we love That's her. That's my win. All right, I agree with you. Good one. Okay, no fails. I'm not going to have any wins. The win is going to be you on stage with me at Go Code. On. Go That's on. what it's going to be. I'm gotcha. being nice. That's right. That's I'm right. Thank you I'm for nervous. answering I'm my questions. I'm uh, don't I'm be nervous about yeah, the nervous. speakers. It's really helpful to me. That was my win is getting good questions out of you. Well, anyway, um, we're going to take listener questions on Friday's show as usual. Record yours at nymag.com slash pivot. Okay, that's the show. We'll be back on Friday to take apart what we are going to make in the next few days. We're making content, especially Scott Galloway and many others who are going to be on stage. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Intertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows, my man, coming to me with L.A. Next to me, tall and handsome, giving me some street cred when I go running on San Vicente later. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. I love LA. I'm staying at the Waldorf Astoria. And this morning I met two actors and I asked them for more coffee. I asked them for more coffee. Let's get on it. Let's get on it, Kara. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.